on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to this week's episode of The State of Recruiting, your weekly Orange 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Harris. And we are live and uh, a special on-location show this week. But before we get into that, I'd like to remind you guys to uh, like, subscribe, do all those great things, rate, review um, our podcast anywhere you could find it, especially on iTunes. And I want to point you to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 network, including the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and the Longhorn Blitz with Rod Babers and Jeff Howe. So uh, Nick and I are coming to you live from a hotel room in Houston. We are in the middle of our Houston Spring Tour. And Nick, I would say it's going pretty well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've ever done a podcast in person. I feel like it's always been Zoom or Skype. I'm pretty sure this is the first time. It's got to be. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So um, it's it's been a good week so far. We've seen a lot of guys. We'll, we'll jump into that and talk talk about who we've seen and what the buzz has been around Houston. Um, we've had some good food. Uh, and I, I think by the time we get done with this, we'll probably have 25 or 30 guys we've talked to this week between the two of us. I thought you were going to say 25 or 30 pounds. I was like, that's it's likely. <laughs> it is likely. The amount of Mexican food and barbecue we've ingested at this point is uh, is starting to get dangerous, um, which really sucks because I've lost like 20 pounds in the last month, and it's I don't want to know what the scale is going to say when I get home. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's start with um, kind of, I guess, the big news of the week. Uh, there were a lot of uh, commitments this week, uh, whether it be from the high school ranks or from uh, the transfer portal. Um, it, things kind of started off with, with Devin Richardson out of nowhere from New Mexico State, a linebacker who was originally from Klein High School. Um, you know, Texas has been really focused on adding more depth at the linebacker position, and um, we could tell that from, from what they've done in the portal. But Richardson, from what I was told, gives them some beef inside and, and just adds a little bit of depth there and was a guy who kind of probably – Developed later um, in his high school career and, uh, and and really shined in his limited time at New Mexico State. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're uh, they're looking for bodies at that linebacker position, and you know they're still going after more. Uh, you look at Devin Richardson, and then they were also able to land Ben Davis uh, this past week, a former five-star recruit out of Alabama. He was the number one linebacker in the country in the class of 2016. Um, so a, a big time add, of course, to that linebacking core. But you know they're continuing to try to add bodies there. They're going after you know the transfer linebacker from USC. I have not studied how to pronounce his name. I think you're better at doing that. Paula E. Naute Ote. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll go with it. Um, but yeah, I mean things stand pretty pretty good with him in Texas. So it uh, looks like they could get a third. Um, and if you add in. Uh, the transfer linebacker from uh, you know North uh, Notre Dame uh, from earlier this spring, then you know that's four. So you know uh, obviously this new staff they came in and you know identified that as a position of need. 
and you know they've been able to you know attack the transfer portal pretty pretty hard there. Yeah, and so uh, it, it's been very obvious that they're looking for both inside and edge guys. I think Ben Davis probably fits more on the edge. Richardson, I think, could probably go both ways. Where Naote Ote could is is probably strictly an interior guy. And then you know one of the bigger news stories around here um, kind of involves a transfer linebacker in, in the sense that uh, Shadrick Banks, who signed with Texas A and M to play receiver, the only wide receiver in their 2021 class. Um, went into the portal just after one spring um, with AM. Texas has been in contact, and it sounds like they are pitching him the opportunity to play defense and, and I think, linebacker specifically. Um, so that could be another option. Yeah, it looks like uh, it's going to come down to Texas, TCU, or Auburn for Shadrick Banks. You know, those are the schools we're hearing early on, at least. Um, and as far as the timeline, I mean, we assume that this is going to, you know, move pretty quickly um, if he wants to uh, enroll at his new place before you know, summer camp in June. So, um, you, you know, if it does Shattered Banks, you know, fit well at Texas, I think that's kind of, you know, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. Um, you know, what went wrong at Texas A&M, you know, our, our good friend Brian Prony did a good job reporting on that. And he just seemed kind of disconnected from, you know, spring camp. And it looked like it w- wasn't really a good match from the jump. Does that mean it won't be a good match at his next destination? No, you know, our good friend Guy Frederick, Guy Frazier, he always says, you know, a change of scenery can help a ton with, you know, a recruit or a, or a player. So maybe that's just what he needs early on, and, uh, you know, maybe he'll be able to find that place. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, a, a commitment came from the uh, from the high school ranks in, in Texas getting Zach Swanson from a Brophy Prep in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, a defensive lineman who doesn't talk a lot, in fact uh, – <laughs> He and I ran into each other at the spring game, and he was a nice, nice enough kid in person. And I tried to set up something with him afterwards, and he said, "Yeah, absolutely. Here's my number." And then I, I never heard back from him again. So I don't think he cares too much for the recruiting process or the, the media process. But as far as uh, on the field, if you watch uh, the film, he's a guy who plays really physical up front, great first step, really disruptive at the line of scrimmage against the run. And a guy who I think is probably a strong end or interior defensive lineman at the next level. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I, we've been talking about it many times on Horns Two Four Seven, and many times on this podcast, Texas is going to have to go after you know multiple out of state defensive linemen, and this is not going to be the first commitment that they have out of state on the defensive line. And you know, I expect you know two or three. Um, you know, they're going after guys like uh, Rashad McKenzie uh, from uh, uh, Bishop Alamany out in Mission Hills, California. Uh, Aaron Bryant out of uh, Mississippi, I believe he's out of South Haven. Um, he's going to be taking an official. Uh, you also have Justice Finkley out of uh, Hewitt Trustville in Alabama. So I mean, there, there, there's a ton of guys that you know Texas is looking at out of state. Um, you know, with the in-state pickings being kind of slim, um, they're going to have to do that. And you know, they're not really in on the you know top guys such as Amaria Bohr. You know, we've kind of talked about where Texas probably sits on the outside looking in in that race. So. I think they're doing a good job of identifying that problem early on and, you know, going after these out-of-state guys. But at the same time, they're starting to put some evals in for, you know, in-state guys. Uh, there's one of the Leaf Hastings here in the Houston area, David O.K., that, uh, you know, Texas has been in contact with. So the door is still open for, you know, another um, in-state defensive lineman to join Chris Ross in the class. But as of now, it's probably going to be, you know, 90%, well, 90%, probably like 75% out-of-state guys on the defensive line in this class. Yeah, I think um, you're right in the sense that those evaluations are ongoing and um, they're always looking for options there and always looking to see how guys develop. I, 
I think your defensive line is probably one of those positions where you watch to see how a guy develops and you hope maybe you get a late bloomer that you can add to the class at the end. And maybe that's where, where David O.K. is. Um, I actually saw David O.K. He was down a few a few rows in front of me at the spring game. Really good-looking kid, well put together. Um, so interested to, to dig in a little more on his tape and, and see how it pans out. Um, aside from that, Nick, you and I have been in Houston all week, as we mentioned earlier, and we've seen a lot of folks. So, um, I'm just going to, we, we kind of split the, the territory up between us and have been going to different schools and programs. So I'll do a quick spin with the guys I've seen so far, and then you could do the same. Uh, so on Monday, we both were able to see, uh, DJ Hicks, who I think we can agree is one of the more elite defensive linemen in the country. Uh, in 2023 uh, from Katie Morton Ranch. Um, we had to see him actually at a private workout, which I thought was a, a really cool setup to see him at. They did a great job over there um, where he trains. Uh, it's called uh, the Beast, something Beast, Beast I, Squad. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kerry Bennett was the trainer and, and did a really strong job with him. And just being able to see him move around a little bit, see him on the treadmill, like the, the speed treadmill, he, he can really run for his size, which – is incredible. I think Texas is in a strong position early with him, but that one's going to be a big time fight, man. I mean, you just talk to the kid, and you know the schools that are standing out right now are Clemson and uh, Alabama, and Texas A and M did a good job with him. It sounded like on the spring game visit, Georgia just offered, so Oklahoma's in the mix. So I mean, that one's going to be one of those heavyweight fights that Texas is going to have to go toe to toe with some big big schools for. Yeah, and I mean, as we were sitting there, um, you know, at that workout, he got offered by Georgia. So, I mean, more and more coming in, and, you know, this recruitment is, you know, far from being over in the sense that, you know, more schools are coming in and offering. Because um, there's still schools across the country who can offer 2023 guys this late, such as Clemson. You know, they kind of, you know, take their take their time with that evaluation process, and, you know, it doesn't really hurt those kind of programs. So. There's multiple of them out there, and, you know, there's going to be a lot that, you know, get in for David Hicks. But, yeah, I like him a lot. I think yeah, I first saw him uh, – I first saw his film, I want to say it was in October of the fall. And um, I was like, man, this kid's a freak. And uh, I was able to see him in person for the first time in January uh, at a workout here in Houston. And I was like, man, this kid is every bit of five-star material. And, uh, you know, our rankings guys feel the same. I believe he's a uh, top five defensive lineman in the, st- in the country right now for 2023. And uh, it's easy to see why we see him. On Tuesday, I, I was able to go out to Humble uh, to see who, Nick, who you would call the Humble Hombres, uh, Kelvin Banks and, and, uh, at Summer Creek and Cam Dewberry to task a seat up. Two of the best offensive linemen in the country, both playing within 10 minutes of each other. Um, you know, with, with – with Banks, I think he keeps things pretty close to the vest when you talk to him, but it sounds like Texas is in a really a really good position there. Um, going into the official visit, which he'll do in June, and it sounds like he wants to knock all of those official visits out before the end of June. I mean, he's got them set up uh, even with a midweek visit to Oklahoma State where he'll leave directly from there and go to Austin. So um, it sounds like he wants to get those visits out of the way, get uh, a school picked and commit to it before everything's said and done. Um, like I said, I, I really liked uh, the way things sounded for Texas. I do think you know Texas A&M remains a really strong contender there. LSU is a, a school that's been mentioned to me a couple times as well. So um, interested to see how things shake out uh, with him. But uh, you know, at the time, I think um, I, I think I like where Texas stands in this one uh, with Dewberry. 
Um, I, you know, the, the most interesting thing probably I've heard this week is Dewberry did tell me that no school is recruiting him harder right now than Texas. And I think they've done a really strong job. I think that he's, um, you know, he's given them a fair shot. He, he definitely wants to see some development and things like that. But, um, you know, he's in the process of setting up visits as well. Right now he's only got two for the summer. Um, and told me he's probably going to take his Texas official in the fall. So, uh, that one's going to go a long way. I think that, um, you know, I think I've always had this pegged as like a Texas and Texas A&M battle, but um, the out-of-state schools, Alabama and Ohio State, are as strong contenders for him as, as anybody. I mean, I, I really I really buy that. So um, I think this could really turn into a national recruitment. I didn't know necessarily if Cam would want to leave home, but after talking to him, I think he's perfectly comfortable with, with going out-of-state and seeing some of those schools. Yeah, I just want to make sure this sticks with the listeners uh, in case you didn't hear it the first time. I have officially coined the term humble hombres for Cam, Cam Dewberry and Kelvin Banks. I think it's uh, definitely t-shirt material if they end up at the same school. just want to throw that out there. That's a bad joke. Um, <laughs> and that's another thing. I did ask both of them about, because there has been a lot of rumors about them playing together at the next level and, and wanting to be a package deal. And... Dewberry did say it kind of factored into his decision. Banks was more like, look, man, I'm going to make my own decision. He's going to make his own decision, so we'll see where things go from there. Uh, Wednesday, we were able to be in the Golden Triangle. I stopped by Port Arthur Memorial um, where I saw Texas signing Jordan Thomas and Texas commit uh, Jalen Gilbo and, and a guy in Caden Bowie, an offensive lineman in 23, who I think Texas might have some interest in. So that was a, a really productive trip. Uh, you know, nothing super notable from there. It sounds like Gilbo is, you know, a hundred percent locked in after originally talking about maybe exploring some options. Um, you know, there was no talk of that today. It was more so, you know, being focused on what he had to do in his last fall before enrolling early at Texas. So, uh, I think everything's there. And, and then I went over to Beaumont Westbrook to meet Nick. So Nick, I'll let you pick it up and, uh, and do your week. Uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and go backwards. Uh, start with today, Wednesday, as we're recording. Um, I went out to uh, yeah Beaumont Westbrook, uh, caught up with Bryce Anderson, and they actually have a really talented 2024 class as well. But that'll be something we dive into you know much much further down the road. Um, but yeah, Bryce Anderson, I think I, I really like where Texas stands with him. I've always liked where Texas stands with him uh, since he opened up his recruitment from LSU. Um, you know, Texas is doing a really good job recruiting him. Um, he, they're one of the you know four schools recruiting him the hardest right now, and. He probably has a, a top four of you know no particular order. Um, well, I mean, I could say it in my in my head what I think the top four would be in a particular order. It'd probably be Texas, uh, Texas A&M, LSU, probably tied for second, and then Alabama right there behind them. Um, and all four of those schools, I expect to get an official visit out of him. And uh, you know, he'll probably make his decision right before his senior season. He wants to be able to focus on his senior season without having to worry about recruitment. He's a very um, you know mindset-driven person. Uh, you know, he's been really focused on track season and I, something really mind boggling that, you know, we came across today. He ran a 10 4 8 in his 100 meter uh, regional and he didn't qualify for state, which if he had been in any other region in probably the country, he would have qualified for a state meet. So that was pretty crazy. And he actually picked up a track and field offer from Texas this week, which, uh, you know, is pretty big because uh, he, he would like to do both at the next level. Um, you know, Texas is going to give him the opportunity to do that. You know, Texas tra- track program is really starting to come around under Coach Flo. Um, so, you know, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But, you know, I really like where Texas is right there. And, you know, I could definitely see them landing his commitment, you know, further down the line. But um, as long as uh, official visits don't, you know, 
change his mind anywhere. I, I really like where Texas sits. And then uh, earlier this morning, I went out to Beaumont United just to catch up with some uh, some under the radar type guys. And they have a corner, uh, Chandler Rivers, who is committed to to Duke. He's a he's kind of like a Deuce Harmon type in the way that you know he's he's small, but he's one of the best cover corners you'll find in the state. Um, probably not as good as Deuce, uh, but he's uh, he, he's pretty solid. He's going to end up at a Power Five program at Duke, so uh, super solid talent there. Uh, let's see. Yesterday, um, gosh, where did I go yesterday? <laughs> it's been a it's been a long week. You're in uh, Cypress. I was, yeah. I went to Cy Park, uh, caught up with uh, Harold Perkins, five star linebacker, uh, just kind of see where his head is at. And you know, he's tough to read. And I, I've been mentioning it on the site that, you know, it's important to remember that there's a lot of time left in this one. I say that because Texas is probably on the outside looking in at this point, but the outside looking in is probably, you know, fourth or fifth in this recruitment. There's some schools like uh, USC, um, Oregon, um, Texas A&M, of course, LSU, and then surprisingly TCU uh, that, is in the, that are in this recruitment. And, you know, TCU is actually kind of a, a sneaky dark horse in this one. And, you know, TCU's been able to pitch the the fact that they've been able to put quite a bit of defensive players in the league under not only under Gary Patterson, but just in the last you know half decade. Um, you know, while they've you know not necessarily been one of the elite Big Twelve contenders since making the Big Twelve championship a few years back, they've still been able you know to put uh, solid defenders into the league. And you know, I think Mike can attest to this that we've been you know hearing I guess in the last year more so that you know TCU is in for these elite type defensive guys. And uh, especially with a, you know, a big time Houston presence like Zach Evans already on campus, you know, that can only help. So um, yeah, definitely watch out for TCU with any elite defensive prospect in, in the state of Texas. But um, going back to Harold, uh, he's going to take his visits this summer. Um, Texas is still in the mix to try to land him uh, on an unofficial visit for the uh, June 18th to 20th weekend when all of the big time 2022 recruits are going to be there. Most of the commits, including Malik Murphy. So if they can get Perkins on campus for that weekend, then you know there may be some uh, there may be some traction there. But he's not going to make his decision until January seventh at the Under Armour game. So there's quite a bit of time uh, before that one. And you know I don't think there's a I don't think there's a leader in this recruitment. I think that's also important to remember. Um, you know Texas A and M I think sits probably you know around where Texas sits. So um, you know there's been you know some rumors that Texas A and M is probably the leader there. Um, and uh, you know I think any notion that there is a leader in this recruitment is kind of premature. So. But we'll see as this one plays out. Again, visits will be really important. Um, let's see, where else did I go yesterday? Um, I deleted it from my notes because I had already uh, been uh, been to those schools. Let's see, I went to Side Park earlier, and then, uh, man, gosh, I'm trying to think here. Um, went to St. Pius later in the day uh, to catch up, uh, uh, catch 2022 tight end Logan Tanner. Um, you know, Texas, they've, most of their tight end offers right now are either committed or there's probably not a great chance at them landing him or landing them. So, you know, I, I think me and Mike both are expecting, you know, for them to throw out some offers in the coming months to some, you know, tight ends, whether it be in state or out of state. Logan Tanner's just a guy I'm kind of keeping an eye on, uh, just because he's been, he's been pretty impressive on the seven on seven circuit. He's got, you know, pretty good size, a good frame and, there's some schools like Utah and uh, Washington, Washington State that are in on him. And, you know, he's a kid that I think will be very receptive to, to Texas listening to him. And um, he hasn't made uh, much contact with Jeff Banks, but, you know, he has, uh, he has been in contact with him since he's taken the job. So that's something important to remember. And then um, you were at DeCaney. Yeah, I went to Spring DeCaney yesterday, uh, catch up with their, uh, you know, their 2023 class, which is really, really impressive. 
and it's headlined by uh, four-star wide receiver Jonah Wilson, who, um, you know, I like to brag about how I've, I kind of found Jonah Wilson at the uh, at the Bridgeland game. Uh, we were in the press box at AT&T Stadium uh, watching Howitzville and Jim Ned and the incredible state championship. Um, I think it was 3A Division or 4A Division Two. Um, and it was a it was a great game that night. And but in the press box, we were watching Bridgeland and Decaney, and Jonah Wilson was going off in that game. I was like, man, who is this kid? Found his Twitter. He had like forty something followers and no offers at the time. And since then, I mean, he's picked up four star status. He's got an LSU, Texas A and M, and some uh, some other regional big time schools. And Texas has made contact. Ohio State has made contact. And you know, the staff at Decaney feels like both of those schools are close to offering. And if Ohio State offers, that would only be the fourth wide receiver they've offered in uh, in 2023, which would be pretty major. So, um, you know, we'll see if they pull the trigger and we'll see if Texas pulls the trigger there. But that's definitely one to keep an eye on. And they just have a pretty impressive 2023 group all around. Um, let's see. And then going to Monday, I uh, came into town and saw uh, Spring. Uh, Spring is just another program that, you know, has a few under-the-radar type guys. Nothing really notable as of now, but uh, they do have some, you know, under, underclassmen that I think could eventually pop. Yeah, and so uh, tomorrow is our last full day in Houston. Uh, actually, I say tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday. This will still come out on Friday. So when I say tomorrow, I, I mean Thursday. Um, I'm going to go to uh, Klein Kane in the morning to see Jaden Blue. Um, and then uh, the afternoon I'll stop by Shadow Creek, which always has talent. Just wanted to stop by them. I think we've got a training session that night. Nick, what's on tap for you tomorrow? I got C.E. King in the morning catching up with uh, 2023 defensive line offer Dylan Spencer, who uh, you know had a pretty good weekend at the underclassmen camp here in Houston on Sunday. So I'm going to catch up with him, see how things stand with Texas. I think he only has like five or six offers at this point. So uh, we'll see where things are there. And he's I'm 90% sure he's going to be on campus for the 2023 weekend in June. Uh, they also have a center who I've – I keep telling people he's the best center in the state, Van Wells. So uh, I'm going to see where, you know, schools stand with him. Um, later in the day, gonna I'm going to do a surprise little project. I'm going to kind of keep it quiet for now because uh, I think uh, some women's basketball fans might be uh, happy for it. But I'm going to go, uh, you know, dive into that tomorrow afternoon. And then afterward, I'm going to head over to Manville, uh, weather permitting. Um, hopefully the, uh, the rain st- stays away so that they can have after school practice. I can catch up with those guys. You know, they have a really good underclassmen group, including uh, Terrence, uh, Terrence Cook's younger brother, Tyler Cooks, who was a 2024 um, athlete who, you know, uh, you know, a lot of college coaches were, you know, excited about recruiting Terrence just for the opportunity to, you know, possibly have a chance at Tyler. So um, he's, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. And then Justin Medlock is a 2022 linebacker over at Manville that, you know, everybody and their mama is in on. So uh, that'll be, that'll be interesting. And then, yeah, tomorrow night we have a, um, um, we have a training session catching up with some of the uh, you know guys down near the Galveston County area, uh, Julian Humphrey, Donovan Green, uh, Noah Thomas, a couple of Texas A&M commits. But you know just checking in with those guys and you know seeing what the buzz is around town. And then uh, on Friday I'm gonna try to catch Bremond on the way back up to to Dallas to catch up with four-star defensive tackle Jeray Bledsoe, who is currently scheduled to be on an official visit to Texas that June 18th to 20th weekend. So we'll see where things stand with him. He's he's one that's definitely tough to get a hold of. Because he doesn't have a phone, um, so that's definitely going to be interesting to uh, talk to him, see where things stand. But uh, I think Mike has another stop on Friday. Yeah, I'll be going to uh, El Campo to see Ruben Owens, and that's usually Ruben's your guy that you handle. But we kind of mixed up a little bit just so they're familiar with both of us, and 
Um, we didn't have El Campo on the schedule, and I, you know, I, I knew Chad Worrell when he was at Brock, and now he's at El Campo, and so I just reached out to him and and set something up real quick, and we'll catch that on my way out of town. So, should be a, it, it, I think, a really productive week for us, and we'll have a ton more, you know, later this week. Um, all right, Nick, let's jump right into the mailbag. As always, get your mailbag questions to us over on the Horn Twenty Four Seven Message Board when we put them up. Um, our first question comes to us from Hokum Horns eighty seven. Kind of off topic, but when talking to Malik Murphy, he loves being here in Texas. Uh, that being said, do you think he would consider moving here and playing a senior season um, at a high class school in Texas? That may need a signal caller. I'm not sure what you mean by high class school, uh, but no, I don't. Um, Malik's going to be an early enrollee. I don't think it would make sense for him and his family to move across the country um, just to uh, just to uh, play a semester and then enroll. So no, I don't see that happening. No, I don't either. Um, he's it's been his lifelong dream to play for Sarah. Um, there's pictures of him uh, in Sarah uniforms as like a four year old. So. He's as loyal to Sarah as Ellinger was to Texas. Just kind of think of it like that. He's not. He's not leaving Sarah. From ZC Cheese, what is the best meal you've ever had? Probably today at Pinkerton's. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. Okay, so I'm gonna throw out a name of a place that like nobody knows where it is. Uh, so my wife's family is from Missouri, um, and we go up that way a lot. And where she lives is, is south of Joplin. It's on the Arkansas Oklahoma Missouri border, and in the town of gentry arkansas there is an amish restaurant called the wooden spoon and i was kind of like uh, apprehensive when they first took me there because i didn't really know what amish food was i kind of thought it would be like grains and oatmeal and or i don't know like you know uh pig intestine I, I don't know i had no clue like what it would be and it's really just like home style food it was one of the best steaks i've ever eaten in my life and the bread pudding they have there is incredible. If I could eat anywhere in the world, it would be the wooden spoon. I will remember that the next time I'm in Gentry, Arkansas. Yeah, I, you have <laughs> probably no reason to ever be in Gentry, Arkansas. <laughs> Do you have one, or are you just going to go pick it? It's hard for me to. It's hard for me to decide. My mom makes a killer chicken spaghetti casserole. I'm going to roll with that. And please, you never me. had a meal where you're like, "That's it. That's the best one." Uh, I mean, I have a lot of good food. Yeah. Um, somebody asked for our next five after uh, Zach Swanson. I didn't get to that. I will try to put something together sometime this week to see what next five might look like. Um, from Triplet Joseph forty four, if you had to bet on one player Texas will land that would come in and be a year one starter, who would it be? Um. I'm trying to think if, A, that guy is in the class already. I would go with Evan Stewart. I feel like that's an easy one. Yeah. Um, I could see Evan Stewart being that guy if they can get him. Um, I feel they would land who would come in immediately and start. Jaden Blue would be the easy answer if Bijan Robinson wasn't alive. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But he is. So, uh, yeah, I would think maybe it's it's going to have to be a receiver. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if he would, Campbell? He, maybe. I don't know if he would start immediately. Harold Perkins would get a lot of playing time. Oh, 
for sure. At linebacker. Um, do you expect Quinn Ewers to take an official visit to Texas? No, I don't. Um, I, I'm not going to ride the Quinn Ewers uh, uh, roller coaster until there's a reason to ride it. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I know there's a lot of uh, I know there's a lot of Texas fans that you know want to buy buy into this uh, you know Quinn Ewers kind of saga, but at this point, there's no reason to believe it. He's 100% locked in with Ohio State. Um, has he made contact with Sark since he's been on the job? Of course, that would be very you know not a good idea if you were Sark to come on this job and not reach out to the kid who's a five-star quarterback and a legacy of you know of the university you're representing. But are they listening at this point? I we have no reason to believe so. Yeah, and I think Texas is very happy with uh, Malik Murphy. I think that a lot of like some people who want to buy into this stuff look at Malik as a placeholder, but I think that Sark really does like Malik Murphy and, and feels he's a guy that he can develop. And if I'm Texas, I mean, you're looking at 2023, and there's you know Arch Manning, who you know Texas has done a really good job early on, and you know putting themselves in a position to you know possibly win that recruitment. Are they going to win that recruitment? You know, that's that's tough to say right now. But if you land a guy like Quinn, that'd be really tough to, you know, bring in another five-star guy, you know, a year after. So, you know, kind of think smarter, not harder type thing. From Longhorns Forever 85, based off the spring game, do you feel it changed any of the recruits' opinions, either positively or negatively, towards Texas? And if so, who did it help with? Um, yeah, a couple maybe. I, You know, I think Diver Harris really enjoyed his trip. I think Jonte Cook, it, it probably opened his eyes to some things. Uh, but for the most part, there weren't a ton of guys there, and from what I've talked to, not a ton of guys saw it because uh, Longhorn Network. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that it moved the needle for a lot of guys, but the, those were two guys I'd mention. I talked to Bryce Anderson today about the spring game, and he actually said he liked what he saw from the defensive backs, and you know he sees himself kind of fitting into a role like uh, like the the role that they're playing under Quickhouse's defense. So I found that intriguing. He he watched every snap and you know liked what he saw. Uh, Red Wing ZK of 28 says best uh, class of 2023 quarterback that Texas is recruiting. Uh, you can make an argument for Arch Manning or Malachi Nelson. I mean, I, I think it's it comes down to preference. I think Manning obviously has the name star power, but man, Malachi Nelson is is as good as, as a lot of quarterbacks I've seen. So, um, yeah, I think you can make an argument either way. Uh, the way I'm seeing it is, and this is just my opinion, I see Malachi Nelson ending up at OU. Um, you know, Oklahoma's done a really good job of positioning push, positioning themselves in that recruitment. Um, and uh, also, he's a good friend of Malik Murphy. I don't think he would, you know, want to come on campus and compete with, the, you know, one of his friends like that. So I think the answer would be Arch Manning nevertheless, actually. Um, but uh, who would you think is the best in-state 2023 quarterback right now? Is it Jake Strong? Jake Strong's done the most. I think Bo Edmondson's probably got an argument to be up there, but it's not a great class so far. It really is. It. There's not an obvious guy standing out at this point. Uh, from 55 West, is Jaden Greathouse on record saying he's cool with being a tight end? I haven't seen anybody ask, and I don't think he's ever played it. You know, I think we've got him listed as a tight end because he's not a pure receiver. I think where Jaden Greathouse ends up is a place that can use him in a, in a number of different ways. Move him around the formation. He's 6'2", so he's not going to be your traditional tight end. Um, but then again, he's also you know, big framed and not super fast. So he's not your traditional receiver. I think he's more of a guy just you, you view as an offensive weapon. Yeah. Jaden Greyhouse recruitment is going to be really interesting just because I think, you know, many different schools are going to, you know, pitch him on a different role and it's just going to depend on, you know, what he, 
decides he wants to play in. I actually caught up with him a couple of weeks ago. He was playing in an AAU tournament. He's been playing some basketball uh, this spring, and you know he's pretty. He, he's just open to playing football at the next level. That's all he wants to do. Um, whether that be as a tight end or a receiver, uh, I don't feel that he has any preference there. Um, but you know, further down the line, it'll see. Uh, programs will be able to pitch him on you know a specific type of role, and he'll obviously choose wherever he thinks fits best. Uh, from, I believe that's Tesla is the name. Who is the biggest seemingly slam dunk recruit that UT has missed out on in recent years? It's a good question. There are so many. Um, I mean, if you want to go with slam dunk at the beginning of the recruitment, it's hard to ignore the Brockermeyers. Um, like that, when it happened, when they were first offered, it seemed like an absolute slam dunk. But, like, again, I say there's so many I could name. The the one that really sticks out to me is Chad Lindbergh. And what's funny about the Chad Lindbergh thing is when I talked to him late in the year, like we were just catching up and just, just BSing a little bit, and I said, man, I said, you know, I'm happy for you wherever you land and hope things go well at Georgia. I said, I would have bet any amount of money you would have ended up at Texas. And he said, you know what's funny? I thought my entire life that I would have ended up at Texas, and when it came down to it, it just wasn't the place for me. So um, that one was a weird one for sure. Yeah, I'd say the Brocker Myers uh, are definitely one uh, that comes to mind. Um, I think JoJo Earl, uh, Texas was in a really, really good spot for him early on and kind of faded towards the spring. Um, I'm thinking more so like last class, uh, class before last. God, it's hard to think that far back. Uh, how about Quinn Ewers? <laughs> yeah, we could go with that one, I guess. <laughs> I mean, and that one's not necessarily over in the sense that he hasn't signed anywhere, but yeah, I mean, that was a not, I wouldn't say slam dunk, but I mean, Texas won him because that was his school he grew up loving and um, in the same breath lost him about 10 minutes later. So uh, from Fozzie Wazzy, uh, are there any legs to those tampering allegations from the Michigan guys, or is this just one of those things that happens throughout college football? Look, guys, if you think there's no contact between schools and kids when they go into the portal before they go into the portal, then I would say that's probably naive. I would say it goes on nearly at every school and that a lot of times it's those schools uh, back channeling or talking to somebody who knows the kid rather than directly to the kid. Can I say for sure if I know anything happened with Xavier Worthy? Not that I've heard, but um, not that I'm going to say tampering is okay. I'm just going to say that I think it happens quite often. Yeah, I don't have any insight on this, but I on the Xavier Worthy situation. Um, but I mean, tampering happens. I mean, I've, I, I know players aside from uh, Xavier Worthy that you know are exploring portal options before they even you know get in. So it happens everywhere. Um, is it frowned upon? Yeah, but you know it's kind of hard to prove those things too. <laughs> yeah. From Green eighty nine on a scale of one to ten, with one being no concern and ten being a twenty twenty one type class concern. What level of concern do you view the current offensive line class? Uh, like a three. I think Kyle Flood's awesome, and I think Kyle Flood's going to get his guys. I don't know who they are necessarily going to all shake out to be, but I don't see Kyle Flood having the same problems that uh, Herb Hand had. I put it at like a four or five just because they're going to miss on somebody, and if I had to put a pin on it right now today, April 28th, I would say that somebody is Cam Dewberry, um, and they would have to fill that spot most likely with a late eval, you know, like they had to do many times in 2021, 
or an out-of-state guy. And, you know, in, in that case, there's a little bit of uncertainty. So that's the only reason I'd put it like a four or five. I don't think they're necessarily – the thing with this class is they've got so many guys that they've got kind of lined up that even if they miss on one, okay, you miss on Cam Dewberry. Well, if, if they see Cam as a guard, which I think they see him as a guard tackle swing guy – You've still got Cole Hudson and Devon Campbell and Connor Robertson. You know, those guys all kind of fit that same type of role. Um, you've got Malik Ogbo. You've got uh, Ali Uba. You've got – I mean, there's there's options all over. So I think, yeah, it, it is a little bit of uncertainty. But I think that – I just think Kyle Flood's a better coach and recruiter than Herb Hand. So I think it'll, it'll work out better. Yeah. Um, can this offensive line class be as good as last year's could have potentially been if the Brockermeyers uh, could have potentially been the Brockermeyers and Green if Texas gets Banks, Campbell, and Dewberry? If Texas gets Banks, Campbell, and Dewberry, I think that you've got to be very happy with the way things have gone. And they'll get a fourth or fifth guy if they want, and those guys will probably be pretty good as well. But, I mean, if they get those three guys, they've done a really good job. Yeah, I mean, that's the ideal, you know, top echelon of, uh, you know, guys they would want to get in this 2022 class. And if they could, you know, counteract those guys with uh, those three guys with like Connor Robertson's of the world and, you know, maybe an extra guy, then, you know, that's obviously an ideal offensive line class. So uh, wouldn't it have been potentially as good as the getting the Brockermeyers. I mean, that's kind of hard to that's kind of hard to compare, but it would definitely be up there. I'd say that. Who's the fastest recruit you've seen personally since you started covering? Um, Tyler Owens. I mean, Tyler Owens was a 10-3, 100, 100-meter uh, kid. Derek Stingley was really fast um, when I saw him at the opening. Um, it's funny. Everybody says Jalen Waddell, and – I don't. I mean, Jalen Waddle's plenty fast, but I don't ever think about straight line speed with Jalen Waddle. He's more just crazy elusive um, and, and really good the open field. I think, um, man, if I had Evan Stewart's up there, uh, yeah, I'd probably go with Tyler Owens just because he's got the verified time that's so low. It's important to remember I haven't been covering recruiting long, but um, if I had to look in this class, um, Evan Stewart obviously. Uh, Brendan Thompson, which, you know, there are some, you know, voices around the state that don't believe that, you know, Brendan Thompson is as fast as, you know, everyone says he is. But seeing him in person at two games this past season and then seeing him in a, in a uh, track meet a couple of weeks ago, he can fly. Um, he does take a while to get to that top end speed. But once he does, he's gone. There's no one stopping him. Um, granted, that has been at the 3A level, but just seeing him at track meets, I mean, he, he blows them away. So. Uh, we'll see how he co- um, compares to the guys at the state meet next week. Um, we'll be able to see a lot of these guys pretty much side by side. Um, you know, guys like Brennan Thompson and Evan Stewart won't be racing against each other, um, but they'll be on the same track, you know, relatively within the same time. So we'll get a better idea. But, you know, that's that's a guy that I really like as far as speed goes. And, you know, Texas is really going to start, you know, identifying these speed guys. And you know, they made no secret that um, they want speed in that receiver room. So, we're going to see a lot of these type of guys moving forward. Shout out Brian, uh, Bryce Anderson, who we were talking today. PR to 10-4-100 and a 21-2-200, which is elite, elite speed, and did not qualify for state because Region 3 is that good. Insane. 
Absolutely insane. So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, absolutely insane, like you said. Uh, from East Texas Biggs, what are your thoughts on Jalen Hale and does Texas have a chance there? Uh, I think Jalen Hale's an awesome receiver. I think he's going to be a freak at the college level, and I think Texas has a ton of work to do there. I feel like East Texas Biggs really likes Longview kid, uh, Jalen Hale. Um, yeah, I, I love Jalen Hale. I, um, whenever we were able to send our thoughts into our rankings, guys, about you know 2023, about a month ago, I, uh, you know, had a lot of conversations with, you know, some guys in my inner circle about, you know, who's the better receiver, Jonte Cook or Jalen Hale, uh, as far as the number one receiver in the state of Texas in that class, which we've, you know, told on the podcast and on the site that this in-state group in 2023 for wide receiver is crazy loaded. Um, but Jalen Hale, he's, he's either 1A or 1B with Jonte Cook, in my opinion. Um, he's, a, he's a guy that can go up and, you know, high point a ball. He wins most of his 50-50s. Um, he's going to be interesting just because he does come from a program like Longview, uh, where he maybe not, um, won't be able to, you know, shine as much as he would, you know, somewhere else just because their offense is just a little bit different. Um, and does Texas have a chance here? Yeah, they're going to have to do some work. Um, we'll see if he shows up for that 2023 weekend. He, he obviously has an invite. Um, so we'll see if he shows up and if he does, then, you know, then, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. All right, and that's going to do it for the mailbag, and that's going to do it for our show. Um, we wanted to get this one in since we missed last week. And, guys, right now we may miss an odd week off or on just because there isn't a ton. Go- I mean, there was a lot going on this week, but there isn't a ton going on week to week with, with visits coming up. So until things are, are kind of are kind of popping, you know, it'll be uh, – it may be off and on if, if we've got some other things going on. So bear with us if we miss a week or something. But we are back. Uh, We hope you guys enjoyed this show. We appreciate everybody for listening. We appreciate everybody for uh, playing along and and interacting with the show. And uh, we will talk to you next time. For Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.